Welcome to another episode of Framing New Heights, where abundance is the answer, ceilings don't exist, and beliefs have no limits. Please welcome your host, Coach Mike and Coach Tone. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. What's going on, everybody? Coach Tone and Coach Mike in the house. Hey, what's up, everybody? Let's get into it, Tone. Hey, Tone, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about a little bit on communication and relationships and conflict resolution and how we can uh, be better people in our interactions with the world. I just want to begin by saying when we're dealing with conflict, you first must find kind of like a peace in all situations. The way out of conflict is our choice, not what other people do. Remember that. And I think the quality of a happy, peaceful life, and we kind of, we just talked, had a great podcast. For those of you that didn't listen, we talked about uh, happiness in our last podcast, which is a great listen, by the way. But I think a, a quality, happy, peaceful life, life, one must possess compassion and humanity. And let me kind of break down each of them, Tone, because I think conflict has a lot to do with both of these. Compassion literally means to suffer together. All right. Among researchers show that as defined is the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and you feel motivated to relieve that suffering. For example, I was walking into work the other day. I literally saw a person sleeping outside. My heart was like, okay, what can I do in this particular situation? Got to be in work in like two minutes. If I wake them up, do I startle them because they're in that fight or flight response because they're out in the middle of basically outside? How do I react to that situation? So I continue to walk. I didn't wake them. I prayed that they have a comfortable place to stay and that they find what they need for that particular day. So I think compassion is not really the same as empathy and altruism, but I think some of the concepts can be related. And then let's talk about humanity. And I think this is the reason why so much conflict occurs is we are not being kind towards other homo sapiens. It's our inner nature. Everybody is a human on this planet besides our dogs, obviously, and our pets, etc. But I think that when we stop seeing people as objects and as people tone, I think conflict is going to be way, way different. I think as a society, we grapple with conflict due to our inability of looking for resolutions, and then we do it in the wrong place. So let me explain. All conflicts come from the same source when we are able to identify the source. So what we do is we invertedly stroke the fire that we're trying to put out without us even knowing it. Because it's all about my feelings. It's all about this. It's all about that. And I think conflicts linger because all parties involved wait for the other person to change. I'm going to go into the story real quick, Tone. One of my best friends. And we are no longer, I would say, best friends. But we are friends. We had a big falling out when my daughter was, I think, around one years old. And she was eight now. And we didn't see eye to eye on something. He and his family did something for me. They took it as something else. I thought it was differently. And I'm going to go in on a little bit about this, about self-justification boxes and how we can get rid of those. At the end of the day, things change. And I think all of our interactions that we have with people, we got to start by seeing them as humans and not objects. 
And how we see others determines how we can relate. When they are objects to us, Tone, we immediately want to fix them. (laughs) And that's the wrong thing to do. On the other hand, if you see them as humans, our hearts are at peace. Your heart won't be at war. And then what happens is they are like no longer inferior, but they're equal. There's a Turkish leader that I want to reference, and I might butcher his name. His name was Saladin. And he was a Turkish leader. And he, there's a, remember the big battle in Jerusalem in, in 1187, he won the battle there. And if we dive deeper into his whole story and the whole root of his success, it's because when he was fighting that war and he was that leader, his heart was at peace. It wasn't at war. So I'm going to say this tone and I want to turn it over to you. When our hearts are at peace, we can make clear minded decisions. I heard this once that the one who controls their emotions controls the table. And typically and I, that's what I picked up from your story about Saladin was his, his heart was at peace. And even though he was at war, right. And that probably correct me if I'm wrong, worked out in his benefit in his favor. You know, sometimes conflict is inevitable. You went at the, uh, from the macro scale, talking about war and politics and, and uh, just from a humanities scale. And even on the micro level, when we're talking about our interpersonal relationships, whether they be at the office and our friendships or, you know, our intimate relationships as well. And this is part of my core beliefs when it comes to leadership as well, is the ability to maintain that even keel, that peace in your heart. You're not letting your emotions run wild or run you, so to speak. And when you're in these situations, whether it's some, like if it could even be a customer, Right. When you're dealing with the customer at at your place of business who comes in and they're irate and they're worked up. There's a caveat to this. I I learned this interestingly enough as well from a sales perspective when it comes to conflict and bringing somebody else down and who's worked up is there can only be two people in the angry boat. And I thought this was a very interesting way to go about dealing with an angry customer. And the story was customer comes in irate about a product or service that she received and one of the initial service rep or employee that she had dealt with, she was wanting heads to roll, right? Comes in just over the top angry. Well, the owner or the manager, whoever it was that was in charge of the situation got up and his coworkers were there. He got, he gets up and he immediately matches her anger and was like, I know I can't believe it. Let's get him out here. He's fired. Blah, 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 blah. Just gets it. But, (laughs) and so just matched her level of anger. Of course he did it intentionally but as soon as he did that, there was two people in the angry boat. And so there can only be one person in the angry boat. And she was obligated to calm down Interesting. and recognize that things were kind of getting out of hand and kind of take a step back and be like, well, wow. Um, no, it's actually not that serious. And they, they were able to come to a peaceful a- agreement after that. Now, that might not always be the best way to go about it. <laughs> you might not always want to match that other person's level of of anger or frustration or whatever the case is. But I think the concept being here is, is again, being a leader in a situation. I think we're all, each one of us is empowered to be a leader, but we're also emotional creatures as human beings. So one of my other tenets of leadership is meeting your other, your counterpart where they're at 
and helping guide them to where they need to be. And whether that be from an emotional standpoint, if they're angry, whatever the case is, when you're able to empathize with somebody, when you listen empathically, you're listening to the feelings and the thoughts behind what they're actually saying. And you can meet them where they're at and say, hey, I understand you're frustrated. I understand that sounds very frustrating for you. Tell me more. And they feel heard, valued, and respected at the end of the day. And I think that's what, what all that anybody really wants as humans is for that to be the case. So there's a number of different ways to go about resolving conflict. And it doesn't always have to mean coming to blows or going to war, whatever the case is. All we're talking about here is it can mean just standing up for yourself and and even explain placing boundaries and anticipating that you might caught there might be some friction that comes in line with that there might be some conflict there might be some pushback when you're establishing boundaries or when you notice that somebody maybe your friend is upset about something and you call it out hey are you all right what's going on man you seem upset maybe they're mad at you that might that might create a conflict that might create a conversation where you have to make peace and so I wanted to go in a little bit about what empathic listening really is. First one being, it involves actively trying to understand and connect with the speaker's thoughts and feelings. I just kind of mentioned that a minute ago. It was listening to the feelings and the thoughts under behind the words, what's being not said. Because most of our communication, Mike, you know this, is not it's nonverbal. It's body language, it's tonality, it's how our eyes are. And that's why I think direct communication, I... I don't like text and electronic communication. <laughs> let's get on the phone or let's be in person because there's so much that gets left out in electronic communication. But then number two, it requires putting aside your own thoughts and opinions and being fully present in the moment. Most people listen to respond. They don't listen to understand. And when we're listening to respond, we're not really taking in what the other person has to say. We're just waiting for our next chance to talk. That, for lack of a better term, is a selfish way to go about it. We need to put ourselves in the other person's shoes and be in their reality. I mean, that, that requires number three, giving the person who you're listening to your full attention, maintaining eye contact. Again, going back to also nonverbal and verbal cues when you're for listening and understanding to show them that you're there with them in the moment. And when you do that, you can also not only convey your own nonverbal cues, you can also pick up on their nonverbal cues. Maybe there you can tell when somebody's closed off or guarded. You can tell when they're anxious or or fidgety. You can tell when their eyes are darting or when they have a, a look of confusion or discernment or anger in their in their even their eye movement. And you can even call those things out in a kind way. And when you notice that how they're fidgeting or shifting in their seat or or nodding in agreement or whatever the case is, or closed off with their arms folded, you can maybe kind of kindly call that out and say, "Hey, I noticed that you just shifted in this way." Is everything okay? Are, are we on the same page? Or just tell me more. And that can build a lot of trust at the end of the day because that demonstrates to them that you are there in the, in the moment with them and trying to resolve and move forward. It shows that you care, right? And then so number four, that also involves reflecting back what you've heard and asking clarifying questions to ensure that you've understood what they're saying. And you mentioned it, I think, before, Mike, uh, rephrasing. So this is what I'm hearing. Am I right? And if not, that gives them a chance to further clarify or further explain in a way so you can actually understand the message that they're conveying, which again goes back to building trust. And then once you have the issue rooted and understood and it's on the table, we're on the same page, then you can move forward to problem solving. And this is going to improve in your communication, build trust, just to recap, and it shows that you value and respect the other person's perspective. 
which is really what we're getting down to because we all see the world in different ways, right? Through our own reality and our own lenses. So a lot of times when we're in arguments or conflicts or even just conversations when we're trying to come to problem solving, oftentimes we try and tell the other person what we think that they should be doing. Or if you just did this, if you just did this, everything would be fine. Just try this. And, and that can kind of, I think I heard you mention it before, is it makes people feel inferior, because they feel like they're they're wrong, they feel make, they can feel incompetent, and that the, the word that we're returning to is feeling. People don't always remember what you said or what you did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And nobody wants to stay in relationships or situations or friendships or or workplaces where they feel undervalued, underappreciated, or incompetent, or that they that they're inferior. Nobody wants to stay in those. It doesn't feel good, right? And so one last framework that I have to kind of break this down into an actionable way forward, and you can use this in sales, you can use this in relationships, and you know this from our time together, Mike, that I believe that all of life is a sale in some form or fashion. So the the, the framework being layer, L-A-E-R, and the first step being listen, listen empathically, listen to understand, Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Acknowledge how that other person is feeling or thinking. Just kind of call it out to the table. I can tell you're frustrated. I can tell you're excited. I can tell whatever the case may be. Explore. Ask those clarifying questions. Dig into it a little bit. Make sure the issue is fully understood. You can use phrases like, tell me more about that or what did you mean here? What else? You can say all the, any, any, and just communicate authentically as your own self. Those are maybe just some questions to, to consider. And then respond, L-A-E-R, the last one being respond. And you can even ask permission from the other person, depending on how tense the situation might be. Or if you're in a sale, you can use these in all different aspects. You might ask the question, hey, do you mind if I make a suggestion? Hey, have you considered this? Do you want my opinion? Because I also, some, I can also believe personally that I heard this before and I actually ascribed to it is unwanted opinions are little more than criticism. Sometimes people just want to be listened to. Sometimes people just want to vent. Some people want to problem solve. And it can be helpful to ask that little small question. Do you want my opinion or do you just want me to listen and then move forward? All right, everybody, this episode is going to be brought to you by Super Fun Gummies. Can't sleep, aches and pains. You got to check out Evergreen Full Spectrum CBD Oil. When you go to check out, use the promo code New Heights. They've got 1,500 milligrams and 3,000 milligrams CBD oils from Pure Amish Hemp. Third-party tested, so you know it's the best. By entering the promo code, you can get almost 50% off. Regular retail is going to be $139. You pay $55 for the 3,000 milligrams. And 101 out the door for the 1,500 milligrams, you're going to pay just 41 by entering the promo code New Heights. You know, here's my thought. I think most conflicts are not conflicts. What they are is I would call and use the word collusions. And here's exactly what I mean. Collusions differ from conflict in that it involves an active participation while I think conflict is just passive. We attract failure when we have quarreling hearts. When we begin to see humans as objects, we are asking them to make our lives more difficult. Think about this for a minute. Think about the wife that reminds the husband, hey, you got to cut the lawn. The husband would rather be out riding riding on the Harley with his boys or watching the game. His wife badgers him and then prioritizes about the lawn. The husband begins then to see that she is unreasonable and demanding. And I hate this word, but I'm going to say it. A lot of men use the word nagging. 
Okay, so the husband then decides, like basically protests by badgering his wife in return. So even now when he mows the lawn, he does it with disdain. So the other side, the wife then begins seeing her husband as this self-centered, egotistical, inconsiderate and immature mate or significant other, however you want to say it. So then what happens is that over time, both begin to seek people who agree with them. And then what they do is they gather them as allies. And then this is the key. This is how actual conflict is spread. It spreads like wildfire out there, y'all. And this can include from your children to your neighbors, to your people that you all hang out with, any type of similar situation. Here's the deal. If you truly want to solve conflicts, at least one party must be willing to say they are wrong. Hey, man, in that situation uh, that I described in the story, hey, my bad. I was wrong. Even if you guys, even if you know for 100% you are right. Because remember, the goal is to have a heart at peace. Not a heart at war. So why war instead of peace then? So let me give you an example. When we resist helping others in need just based on some explanation, we make ourselves about how they do not deserve the help. So then guess what? This is a term called self-betrayal. We're basically choosing that war piece that I just talked about over peace. I want to talk about self-justification. I think conflict occurs from these four areas. And those of you that are listening, be mindful of these because you're going to be like, oh man, what I'm about to say, you're going to be, oh man, this is me. Because there are some times in my life where I stood for certain things and I, I had a heart that was at war. I didn't have a heart that was at peace. So here we go. So here's a thought on how to stay away from justification which is another word for conflict, I think. There are four types of justification boxes. The first box is the better than style of justification box, where you feel that you are truly superior. I was just in Mexico. I was just able to talk to a bunch of people. I was out there in in, in Cancun and loved it. And people are so beautiful and friendly. And we were just talking and I got to talk to one, a worker that works in the establishment. And she's kind of venting how certain people have this prestige upper superior element. Well, why can't you do this? Why can't you do this with this and this and this? Get rid of the better mentality, y'all. That's all I'm going to say. The second one, the I deserve style of justification. Oh man, I've been mistreated. I've been persecuted. I've been entitled. I have white privilege, all of that. We've got to get rid of it. We got to get rid of it. The third one, the need to be seen as style of justification, where it's the soft demanding of more justice. Okay. There are a lot of, we we went through a lot of time, y'all, through a lot of different things, through political statements, through rallies, through streets being closed because people are marching. You got to ask yourself, that's definitely, is it, are you demanding of more justice? Because that's a self-justification box that you would check, which would cause your heart to be at war. And then the last one is the worse than style of justification, where you're faded, you're broken. Man, I'm not as good as so-and-so. And then what happens is when we constantly are checking these boxes, 
And the what's interesting to tone is we all have some of these predominant traits already in us. And then it's our job to unlearn these traits, identify how to unlearn one of those justifications that really that resonated with you that I just talked about. Ask yourself this question. What are you complaining about? Ask yourself when you react instead of respond, what justification box are you operating from? Is it the superior? I firmly believe in this because I'm a Christian, so therefore they're wrong. Uh-uh. When you react instead of respond, what justification box are you operating from? Here's another thought. Your heart at peace is the first step towards becoming happy. We talked about this in our last episode or just an agent of peace. I think we can, I really think we cannot make others change, but we can invite them to change. I truly think some of our best leaders tone, some of the best parents out there can get out of those self-justification boxes by just by stopping, by making yourself a victim. You're, stop being a victim. Stop it. You gotta stop it. And I want to go on on this part, Tone. There are like four simple questions that I think may help you ask yourself to become, to just overcome that self-justification. And you alluded to some of them already, but I want to get in a little bit more and a little bit more detail. What are the things that are troubling this person or people? Okay. We had the big rally on Black Lives Matter. So did ask yourself, what are the things that are troubling? Number two, how am I making things worse for them? What am I doing that's that's worse for them? Number three, are there other ways I have neglected or mistreated this person or people? And then number four, and I want to kind of turn it over to you, Tone, is what form of self-justification is blocking you from the truth about yourself and others from preventing solutions? You know, I feel I should do this for this person to help them in this situation. Remember those pieces. I like what you said about um, we can't change anybody else, but we can potentially invite them to change. And I think what I take from that, I only have control over myself. I can only regulate myself. And when I work on myself, the thing is when we are trying to maybe pick out the flaws in somebody else, or we're trying to tell them where they're wrong, or maybe we're trying to criticize them or whatever the case is. Oftentimes we're guilty of those same things because we, we see, we're only capable of seeing what we are in the world. The world isn't as we see it. The world is as we are. Okay. And so you can ask yourself too, why is that thing that I'm picking at or seeing or noticing? Why is that bugging me? Because it might be because you are guilty of the same thing, right? That's not always the case, but often it often it is. So when you look at what you can do yourself and change yourself, that's a way that you can act through leadership. Of in, in where I took inviting somebody else to change without telling them they need to kind of deal because you're setting an example, you're leading by example. Now. Also, I think that in personal relationships, that conflict is healthy and it shouldn't necessarily be avoided because conflicts that aren't resolved, that are left avoided, turn into resentments and they fester and they show up in other areas. 
And we do no good by, by avoiding these things, right? And there's actually been some studies that were done on the quality of relationships that for, I believe the number is for every five positive interactions in a relationship or marriage, you, it, the ideal uh, ratio was five positives to one potentially quote unquote negative interaction or one interaction that involves some kind of conflict or bickering or argument, whatever the case is. Anything more than that, let's say you have five positives to two to three, like you don't want to have obviously conflict and arguments all the time, then that leads to breakups and divorce. But anything on, on the other side, if it's all positive, if everything's always sunshine and rainbows and there's never any conflict, that's also not ideal because it's also not authentic. You know, being positive and being a great person, that's awesome. But we are humans with an entire spectrum of emotions. And when we're cohabiting, cohabitating in our, in our relationships and in the workplace and in our friendships and in the world overall, we're all cohabitating on this planet. There's going to be conflicts that arise just as autonomous human beings, right? So conflict should be, healthy conflict should be viewed as, a, as ultimately a positive at the end of the day. And when we go through these conflicts, when we, when we maybe pick out the other person's flaws or when we notice that, the, that we're guilty of this, we get to learn more about ourselves. We get to identify where, like you were mentioning, like, hey, I, I was wrong here. I can own mine. I can get better. That gives me an opportunity to grow. And then in our relationships, even friendships, that allows us to kind of grow together. That can create trust and more bonding because that creates a shared experience of, hey, we went through that together. Hey, you remember when we hated each other, Mike? <laughs> and at that time, it was a forced interaction because we were coworkers at the time, colleagues that were just getting to know each other. And we were not. We've said this before on the show. Um, but however we managed to get through it, now we're a year and a half plus down the line and we're buddies and we're doing stuff willingly together, right? And we work through our potential conflicts together, right? And those can, I, so I think in some fashion, conflict should be welcomed. It should not be avoided. It can be healthy. We can grow. We can learn about ourselves and others as well. And, um, and that allows us to understand different ways to communicate, which is, crucial in everything, communication and trust across the board in any kind of relationship, whether it be in business or in our personal or intimate relationships, I think is huge. And one thing that uh, I wanted to bring up as well is the concept of interdependence. And in today's day and age, we're so focused on being independent beings. You know, I don't need no man. I don't need no woman. I don't need nobody. I've got me. I do what I want, whatever the case is. Like we forget that we are tribal social beings and nobody ever got to the top by themselves. I don't think anybody is truly self-made. We have had people along the way to support us, guide us, handle marketing, handle operations, handle finance, whatever the case is. Nobody is truly independently self-made and got to the top completely by themselves. So the concept here being interdependence, and that's the difference between having a team full of all-stars who are independently great but cannot function together as a unit and a team who is unified. And they might be all, maybe not everybody's an all-star, but they fill each other's gaps and they're all unified and they have the same mission, same goals, and they operate well. And 
so to quickly define what interdependent relationship means, it's those in which two or more individuals depend on each other for mutual support, assistance, and well-being, in which the actions and decisions of one person have an impact on the others and vice versa. So it's taking the other people into consideration. It's not just thinking about yourself. It's thinking about how your choices and decisions and actions are going to affect those around you. And so just a few bullet points. Um, about inter interdependent relationships involve a high degree of interconnection and interreliance between the individuals where partners are going to work together and depend on each other to achieve shared goals and objectives. And that means that we have to communicate and make sure we're all headed in the same direction. What like I, it's kind of one of the things I took from yours is that we have to operate through conflict with peace in mind, with peace in our hearts and say, what's the goal here? I want to come to a positive resolution of peace. I'm not fighting for the sake of fighting. I'm not going to war for the sake of causing more problems. I'm not entering into this conflict with you to cause more issues and drama. I want to get to a positive outcome so we can move forward in either our relationship or our business, whatever the case is. Right. Um, so some characteristics in an interdependent relationship is mutual trust, respect and report and support. I'm sorry, where we're going to work together and compromise in order to maintain a positive and productive relationship. And here's another thing that comes in line with this, Mike, is that oftentimes we look at conflict that it has to be a win lose situation where one of us has to take an L. And that's not always the case. It, we can we can come to win win agreements. And when we work together in an interdependent relationship, we can find creative solutions that might not be what you would have initially thought. They might not be what I would have initially thought, but maybe we can work together and maybe come to some new way of thinking to where, hey, how about we try this? And now you win, I win, everybody's happy and we can move forward. And so as a in going back into communication, we've got to be able to express our needs and concerns openly and honestly and to listen and empathize with one another. And you use the term vulnerable. I use the term authenticity and transparency and just being a real person. I think that's just at the end of the day what all these different terms means. It's our putting ourselves out there, vocalizing where we're at. And when we do that, it allows the other person to feel safe and trust me when they're going through something. If I'm able to express me and acknowledge that I'm not always perfect or always cheery and always bubbly, if I can express, hey, you know what? I got this issue going on. That opens up the door to communication for the other person to say, yeah, I'm feeling the same way at their times when they do. Right. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I just want to go back to the questions that I talked about that I recently talked about for the self-justification boxes. Just I'm not diminishing by any means all the suffering that's that's happening happening for you, but I want you to really truly enable and see the other ways the other person has so that helps you understand that we need to use hope. Hope will replace the anger and despair that's in our heart. You know, what will happen is when you when you use those questions or have those questions in your toolbox, so to speak, what it'll do is it'll force you to lay down that victimhood piece that you have and just see new possibilities. Oh man, you don't get it. You're probably right, I don't. But you still need to just look at the new possibilities. And also, I think in honoring the desire to help 
is truly how we can stay out of those self-justification piece uh, boxes, so to speak. And here's another thing, two-tone, is we keep learning. Learning keeps us humble and allows us to be open to change instead of assuming that people are teaching need to change. So I want to go into my final thought here, Tone, and I I want to say this. There's something called an influence pyramid, and I'm going to kind of break it down. There's two pieces, two levels to this influence pyramid. My final thought is that we should use the influence pyramid, which will help us during conflicts and create an environment for people to change. And here's how. So as I talked about, it has two levels. There's just two basic levels. Level one is dealing with things that are wrong. And number two is helping things to go right. I'm going to talk about level one. And it's kind of alludes to some of the stuff that you already brought up, Tone. But there's it, it, there's actually a pyramid out there where you where that stems from. The lower level, which is one, has has just a few parts here. It says teaching and properly communicating. You talk, you've been hammering communication. I don't need to go in on that. Number two, listening and learning. Active listening. Active. Y'all know the difference between hearing and listening. There's definitely a difference. And three, build relationships. Relate. You said life's a sale. Well, you can't get the sale unless you build a relationship. And then piggybacking on my number three, building a relationship with people who influence the people you are inviting to change. And then right here, develop a heart of peace by recognizing your self-justification boxes that I alluded to earlier. And really, 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 listeners, please, please, please truly try to get out of them. And here's my, here's something I have for you. You cannot correct the things that are wrong if you do not help things go right. Most conflicts occur or persist Because one person is spending time, energy, and resources trying to correct the other. I think the thing is, we don't always need to be right, you know? We don't always need to be right. Even, and I heard you mention this too at the beginning, I was like, even if you know you're right, two plus two equals four all day, every day, right? And there are some things that are just right, and there are some things that are just inaccurate, (laughs) But if you can at least get to a point where you can say to your the, your counterpart, like, I can understand how you might see that, then at least, you know, you can bridge those gaps. You're like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. Two plus two is still four, but at least I can understand where you came to your conclusion. <laughs> but there's there's something that, uh, that came to mind. One of my favorite, uh, I want to close thoughts with this, and one of my favorite movie series of all time is the, is the Rocky series in Rocky Four. It's in the height of the Cold War with the Russians, right? Rocky goes into the ring and he knocks out Drago. And his final speech goes something like this. And he just knocked out Drago. And yep. He's, he's uh, accepting the, the, yep. Great movie. the victory in front of the Russian crowd. He's over in Russia. And he says, I came here tonight and I didn't know what to expect. I've seen a lot of people hating me. And I didn't know what to feel about that. Then, so I guess I didn't like you much then neither. But during this fight, I've seen a lot of changing. The way you felt about me and the way I felt about you. In here, there were two guys killing each other, but I guess that's better than 20 million. 
what I'm trying to say to the, is if I can change and you can change, everybody can change. Bro, that I, I I just went to the movie and I remember them watching it from the TV and they're like glossy eyes, tears coming out, dude. That was that was epic. That's a good way of uh, closing this episode out, brother. I, that was really really good. And as always, Tone, y'all be better in mind, body, and soul. One percent better every single day. And stay, flexed. stay flexed.